We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. We've been in the book of uh, Ephesians in the series called Chosen, uh, experiencing the unexpected. We're rounding out the story of uh, Paul talking to the Ephesians. We're going to get into a transitional mode, but as we get ready to go into the transition into the next half of the book, um, there's some things that he wants to share with the Ephesians, and there's some things that we need to know this morning. So we're going to try to go quick. If you don't have a Bible here, go ahead and raise your hand. Our house crew will get one to you. And uh, I believe it's on page something, 568, um, in, in your Bibles. Who here has heard of the word catechism? Catechism. Most of the times we hear about a catechism, we're thinking about, you know, the Catholic Church. You know, a, a lot of times we hear the word catechism, we feel like, hey, isn't that something that the Catholics do? No, catechism, if you're unfamiliar with uh, the word catechism, what it is is really just a statement of belief of some sort. What it is is uh, what, what we use to help people, especially young people, and it can uh, help us as adults as well too, understand uh, the nuances of their faith. So usually it's laid out in a question and answer form. You know, like, you know, what do we believe about this? We believe this, 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 this. What do we believe about this? We believe this, 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 this. And it helps people understand their faith in a more practical way. And it also has some Bible verses that go along with it as well, too. And today, um, we are going to base the message really off of one statement in what's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it's off of the first line in this catechism, the first question that it asks, and I love it because it just kind of summarizes our faith, it summarizes who we are, and it asks this question, what is the chief end of man? Or what is man's chief end? If you ever wondered, like, man, dude, why am I on this earth? Why do I exist? It's simply this. As believers, as Christians, this is what we believe. We get this from the Bible, which we believe is God's word. The answer is simply this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man's chief end, why are we here on this earth, is to glorify God, bring glory to God above and enjoy him forever. What does this mean? Paul is going to tell a little bit about what this means in Ephesians chapter 3. So what I'm going to do real quick is I'm just going to read through the text, and then we'll go through it verse by verse like like we say. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21 goes like this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is Paul speaking. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, talking about the Ephesians, the Ephesian church that he planted, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, more than all we can think, all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This section is one of two prayers in the book of Ephesians. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 1, when he's opening up this letter talking to the Ephesians, he gives them some encouragement. He gives them some enlightenment. He's he's telling them uh, about the direction that he's going. He's praying that God enlightens their heart uh, so that they may know God, so they may have a a new experience with God. But with this text now, it's not just about enlightenment. He says, listen, I've told you a lot of things. Now, I want this to enable you. Uh, Don't just get some really good knowledge, but you've got to use it. Now that you have it, you've got to grab a hold of it and get on mission with it. And that's the first point in our teaching uh, notes today. If you don't have a teaching uh, guide, please just throw your hand up. We'll get one to you. Point number one, head knowledge is not as effective as heart knowledge. Very simple, straightforward. Head knowledge is not as effective as heart knowledge. See, in in this prayer, he's emphasizing the spiritual condition, not the material needs of the church. He understands that, hey, you know what? There's probably people who are sick. There's probably people who, you know, don't have and and they need more provision and, and they need better jobs or maybe somebody needs a job. He's like, that's all good and great. But more than anything in this world right now, I want to pray over your spiritual condition because that's really what matters the most. And in our faith, honestly, that is really what happens, what, what we need the most. I'd like to believe that if revival is to happen. The spiritual condition of our hearts needs to change. We can't be praying about, God, I need this. I want this. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? We need to come and take a posture of like, God, I want to know you and I want to be used by you. And wherever you lead me, I just want to follow. Whatever you want me to do, I'm down, God. Let's make it happen. So that's what he's coming to them with. He wants their spirits to be lifted. He wants their spirits to be changed. He wants to get something deep down in their soul. So verse 14 and 15, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. For this reason, what reason? He's been talking about the the unity of the church. For this reason, now that we're family, Gentiles, And now that there's no separation between us, now that there's no uh, 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 political or social or economic or whatever distinction between us, now that we are one in Jesus Christ, for this reason, I bow my knees. He's like, man, I am so excited that we have come to this understanding that Denoy, me and you are now brothers in Christ. And that, for that reason, I bow to my knees. He's, he's talking about prayer. He's taking a, a posture of prayer. In, in the Bible, uh, if you are, you know, if you've got questions and have thought, I've had people ask me, say, hey, how do I really pray? In the Bible, it's not prescribed uh, 
a posture. Of, there's no prescription of a posture of prayer. It's, there are people who prayed standing up. There are people who've been praying with their face down. Uh, there are people who, who pray on their knees. And in fact, uh, a part of the Jewish culture was to cover your head when you pray. So everybody who judges me right now for wearing a hat in church. <laughs> they covered their head when they prayed. And just, could you just imagine, Paul's locked up right now, right? He's in prison. And, and, and back in the day when they locked you up in prison, especially somebody like Paul, who has this notoriety about him, they chained him next to a Roman guard and, and, and somebody who was right next to him. And imagine every day this guy gets up and he falls to his knees and he just starts praying blessings over the church. They're like, dude, don't you want to get out? No, I just want to make sure that they're taken care of. Uh, don't you need your, don't you want your needs met? No, all I care about is they experience God in all his fullness. Parents, what do our kids hear us praying about? Uh, spouses, what do our spouses hear us praying about? Are we more concerned about meeting our material needs right now? Or are we more concerned about what God is doing in and through us? And in and through our community. Point number two. Prayer is beyond bowing my knees. It's about bowing my heart and will to God's will. You know, I, I grew up going to a church. I'm, I'm probably going to talk about this church a lot. I'm not going to mention any names. But I grew up going to a church where, like, everybody wanted to show how deep they prayed. Maybe you didn't grow up like I did, but for us, it was like a big, it was a big deal. You know, they would come up with all these elaborate prayers, and when the prayer was over, there was more celebration over the prayer than it was actually over what we were praying for. And Paul's just reminding us here that, listen, he's yielding to God's will. He wants something for somebody else. And our prayers should follow that same motto. He says, uh, pray for this reason I, I bow my knees uh, before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. He's talking about the Father. The Bible addresses uh, God as a Father. Uh, we pray to God. When Jesus taught us to pray, we pray to God. And then he says, ask everything in my name. So we pray to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. Jesus referred to God as Father. And every family on the earth is named, meaning everything that is on earth, every person originally originates from God. He is the creator of all. But he's not the father of all. I wanted to throw this in there just to clear up any misconceptions, uh, because sometimes there's this uh, false theology that goes around and says, you know, well, you know, aren't we all God's children? Are we? All men and women are not sons and daughters of God. There's no universal fatherhood. I know that may rub somebody a little funny right now. Uh, but the Bible says all must be born again. All must come to Christ and make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ for them to be adopted into the family. 
See, Adam, the first human that ever lived, he was God's son by creation. Uh, Jesus is God's son through the nature of the Godhead. He's not created. He is just part of the Godhead. That's his function. Humanity is God's son by adoption. When we are born, we're born outside of God. In fact, it says this in uh, Ephesians 2, 2, 3. We read this some time back. I think we have it on the screen. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. He's talked to the Ephesians, reminding them of who they are. And maybe we can look at this and remind ourselves of who we are. Following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, sons of disobedience, not the sons of God, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In order to be considered a son and daughter of God, we've got to accept Jesus Christ through faith. And in that moment, God takes us and he redeems us from being children of wrath, children of disobedience, and makes us children of the most high king. We become part of the family. So let's go verse 16 through 19. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be rooted and grounded in love. I'm going to pause there for a second. Riches, he's not talking about monetary riches of God. I believe God is rich. Uh, But this is not necessarily talking about uh, monetary riches. He's talking about the resources, the vast, incredible resources of God's love, of his power, of his influence, of his grace. There's so much more to God than simply uh, the things that we think we can get from him. According to the his glory, his, his riches in glory, the, his majesty, how big God is. This is ascribing how awesome and how majestic and how bigger than we could ever imagine. He says that according to the riches of his glory, according. This word according is like, in direct proportion. Not a portion, but a direct proportion. Let me give you this example. So say you had a parent who was a billionaire, and they wanted to leave you an inheritance, and they wanted to give you what they had, and they gave you a portion, and in their will they said, I want to give a portion of my billion-dollar net worth to my son or daughter, and they left you a hundred bucks. Technically, he gave you a portion. He gave you a portion. You can't can't be mad because I want to give a portion, but according to, in direct proportion to what I have, If that same billionaire father gives you in proportion to what he has, that means he's going to give you quite a bit. There's going to be a lot more than $100. 
And that's what God wants to give us. He wants to give us in direct proportion to his wealth. And if God is, owns a cattle on a thousand hills, like they say, but what that truly means is if God's resources are that vast and he wants to pour that and lavish that onto you, how much does he care? How much does he love you? The Bible tells us that he spent, he, he sent Jesus Christ, his only son. I've heard it said he expended the resources of heaven for you, Sarah, for you, Rod. He drained the bank account of heaven so that you can find new life in him. According. And notice how he says, you may be, he says, listen, that you may be strengthened with power, not riches, not, listen, I, it's great. I want you to have a whole lot. I want you to have a new job. I want you to have great things to happen to you, but that's not the most important thing Paul is saying. I want you to be strengthened with his power, the spirit that enables us with power to fully live out God's will for our lives. He says, in your inner being. In your inner being, that place where faith dwells, the place where God works deep inside of you. He says, I wanted to dwell there. He's like, so, so Christ may dwell in your hearts. This word dwell, he's like, I, I want Christ to settle down and make residence in your heart. There's a story in the Bible about Abraham. You know, we've been talking about Abraham in this, about the major promise that was given to Abraham uh, that the Jews claim that now we all get to be a part of it. Like We get to be a part of God's family. We get to be a part of this big thing that God is doing. So God comes to earth and he meets with Abraham. When he shows up to his house, he shows up with two other angels. And they come and they sit and they eat with him. And they eat. God comes to earth and sits and eats with Abraham. But Abraham has a nephew named Lot in a city called Sodom. And they're about to bring judgment on this city. And the interesting thing is, uh, as, as God comes and shares with Abraham that he's got a promise coming, He's also sharing, like, hey, uh, Lot, your nephew, there's another thing coming to the city that he's in. But the interesting thing is God sends the two angels. He doesn't go. Think about that for a second. Think about your own heart. Think about your house. Is your space a place that God wants to settle and dwell in? Or would he say, you know, I'm just going to send my angels. The things that we keep around us, uh, the things that uh, we consume, the things that we allow around us, is God willing to come in and take residence with us? Or would he say, you know, I'll pass? Just something to think about. Dwelling, he he wants us to have not a surface relationship. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever, not just a surface relationship. If I'm enjoying something forever, that means it's going a little deeper than than what, than the surface. 
So he, he goes on to say, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and being rooted and grounded in love, rooted. Uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, this is an analogy of a tree he's using. It says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night, talking about uh, God's word. He meditates, he thinks about it, he's reading it. He's consuming it. It's not just a surface reading of God's word. He's, he's dwelling deep inside of it. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. What he's saying here is, listen, uh, roots are the tree's nourishment. They're the tree's stability. I want you to be rooted in God's love. I want you to be rooted in God's word. I want you to not just come to church and listen to the word and be like, hey, that was nice, and then go home and close this and never look at it again. He says, I want you to explore God's love. I want you to think about it. I want you to truly understand what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. I want you to be rooted so that when the, the winds of change come and, and the struggles come in life and you're dealing with cancer and you're dealing with divorce and you're dealing with heartache and you're dealing with loss, you can have some, uh, you can stand because your roots grow deep. Grounded refers to the foundations we build our life on. Point number three, to grow further in our faith, we must grow deeper in our commitment to fidelity. Now, what does this word fidelity mean? So fidelity has a couple of meanings. One of the meanings is we need to be committed in affection. So uh, let's read it like this. To grow further in our faith, we must grow deeper in our commitment to our affections for God. But it has an even stronger meeting, a meeting that I, I, I really believe that Paul is trying to get across to these uh, Ephesians that I believe that we can take from it as well, too. He says, uh, to grow further in our faith, we must grow deeper in our commitment to fidelity. F- uh, fidelity also means accuracy in detail. So when people create a movie, and the movie is a true story, and they say, wow, that kept to the fidelity of that person's story, meaning it kept to the true details. What do you know about God? What do you really know about God? What do you really know about God's word? What he's written to you, he's especially put this book together for you so that I remember this, what's that uh, thing called? Uh, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Corny, but it works. What do you know about God's love for you? To grow deeper in our faith, listen, we must grow deeper in our commitment to our knowledge of God. Not just in the belief that we're saved, but to understand who God is and what what he did for us. He says you can have strength to comprehend. I want to go deeper on this, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say this. This word comprehend comes from 
the Latin word prehender, it also means to grasp a hold of. So not only comprehend in your mind, but to lay a hold of and hold on to. And I'll tell you what, I've seen some people go through some crazy stuff. And seeing their faith, the way they hold on to the faith, I've, I've told this story. My father was laying on his deathbed. The, the doctors told us, it's, it's, it's a wrap. It's time for you to put together all of the end-of-life details. And my dad, between coming in and out, always had a smile on his face. He not only knew that he was saved, he not only knew the love of God, but he grabbed a hold of it. He says, no matter what happens, I know God loves me. I know where I'm going. I know that no matter what comes my way, I can stand firm-footed, and I don't have to be on Facebook telling everybody my business. Because I've got a firm footing to stand on. I've held on to it. It's like what he's telling them here. Listen, he's saying, he's saying um, may have strength to comprehend, to, to not only hear and to know, but to grab a hold of with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth. What he's saying is like, listen, if you've been given a house, if somebody gave you a, a, a very nice house and you went to the bedroom and you were like, this is great. I'm so thankful for this house. And that's the only place you furnish. You never went anywhere else in that house. The house is useless to you. And he's telling them, he says, listen, God's love is the territory. You need to go find out the depth. You need to go find out the length. You need to find out the height. You've got to go into every single room and lay hold of it and say, this is mine. God, your promises are mine. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's mine. All of your promises are amen, are yes in Jesus Christ. That's mine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so I could live. It's mine. You can't just be okay with saying, well, you know, I, I'm saved, I guess, yeah. He says, listen, God's got so much he wants to do in you and for you, but it's going to come only if you take a hold of it. Yeah. Grab hold of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a paradox here. Verse 19, he says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. What? So you've been saying all this great stuff, Paul. You've been telling me how much I need to know God. I need to go deeper in the word and I need to know him and have a personal relationship with him. Now you're telling me I'll never understand him. I love this quote. It says this are futile, don't get offended, we're talking about futile in terms of in relation to God. Our futile and finite minds can never fully grasp the weight of the passion that drove the Son of God to the cross. But as we explore the riches of his love with curious wonder and humility, our souls will be filled with the fullness of his glorious presence overflowing into heartfelt praise. 
We may never fully grasp God's love, but you know what? It does something inside of us when we pursue it. In fact, it says this. He says, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Isn't that crazy that the measure of the fullness of God that we have inside of our lives is God himself? Have you ever thought about that? God wants to dwell inside of you. The God of heaven who created it, who holds the entire cosmos in his hand, says, Pedro, I want you to know me. And when you know me, I'll put the fullness of my presence inside of you. That's big. And this is not to say that if you don't, you know, if you just come to faith in Jesus, there's like, you've got to get more God. So, you know, like, again, it's a paradox. It's like one of these things, like, we, we, we sing songs, and sometimes it's funny when we worship songs, and we love worship songs. I, 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 listen, I sing the songs too. It was like, God, we just, we just want more of you, God. He's, he's in us. But what does that mean to say, I want more of you? Oh, I want more of you inside of me. Positionally, when I make a decision to follow Jesus, Lucas, God's spirit is, in, is implanted in my life. I've got all of God with me. Positionally, he's, God is in my heart. But experientially, God has so much more than you can ask, think, or imagine. That's crazy. He's already in us, but he's got more for us. Point number four, salvation fills us with God's spirit, but we experience the indwelling power of the spirit as we pursue God. God doesn't just call us to believe and just sit. We need to dig a little deeper. He invites us to get to know him. He invites us to explore how much we love him. He invites us to to learn more about who he is and what he's done and how he can transform our lives, how he can transform the lives of so many other individuals around us. He says, I've got a lot more. Dig a little deeper. Verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. I don't think I read it doing justice. What this is, this is a doxology. This is an explosion of praise. 
He's just been talking about the fullness of God and the power that dwells inside of us because of the love that he had, that he showed us through Christ and how he wants us to experience that. And as he's talking about it, Paul is simply talking about it, writing a letter to the Ephesians. Chances are he was dictating it because some say that Paul had some issues with his eyes, so he used a scribe to, to write for him. So he's talking, he's dictating this letter, and he's reading, the, he's saying all the words, and, you know, we want you to grow in the fullness of, of God, and I want you to know God so that you can understand the breadth, the width, and the depth, and width, and depth, or whatever. All of that, all of thatness of God. And when he gets to the point where he says, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God, he explodes in a doxology, in praise. So he probably stood up, said, now to him who is able to, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. You, you ever, uh, I know somebody here watched YouTube and watched some churches, or maybe you grew up in one of those churches where they had a little praise break, and it's like, dun, 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 dun. Paul's having a verbal praise break. And I, I can imagine uh, this, is, this is more of what he's saying. And, and, and as we look at this text, he, he's, the, the phrasing here is very interesting. He says, now, to him who is able to do, insert more. And then he goes back, says, far more. Then he goes and says, no, 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 that wasn't good enough. Abundant more. Now to him who's able to do more. No, far more, Lucas. No, abundantly more, Jen. Than you can ever think or ask according to the power. Listen, according to the power that is where? That is at work within you. What? Now to him who is able to do far more, abundantly more than we can ask or think according to the certain power that he has. Oh, by the way, Kyla, it's inside of you. That same power that's able to do more, far more, abundantly more is inside of you. I, I hate, I hate to, I hate to just go on on this. Now to him, God above, who's able to do more, far more, abundantly more, your wildest dreams, according to this certain power, the power of his Holy Spirit, that is at work inside of you the fullness of God dwells inside of you Kim he's given you power to do far more exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think or imagine why because his power dwells inside of you D power to love 
power to forgive, power to overcome sin, power to overcome those strongholds that keep us so wrapped up, power to remain pure singles, power to remain patient singles, power to do more. Warren Wearsby says this, the Holy Spirit power is not a luxury. It is a necessity. Don't look at somebody else and say, man, I wish I had the spirit working in me like that. That spirit dwells within you. And it's going to be that power that's going to compel you to accomplish what God has for you. I could really just end on that one. I am. Listen, guys, we got to dig deeper. We've got to dig deeper. Let me give you point five. The level at which we experience the power of God is in direct proportion to the depth of our understanding of his love. We've got to dig a little deeper. See, shallow knowledge will lead to shallow faith, which will result, which can result in devastating consequences. We believe if we dig a little deeper into the person and work of Jesus Christ, we'll find our firm foundation. So this is, this is my only challenge to you. This year, remember, this is the year of revival. but it only takes place if it happens in your heart first. So this is my challenge to you. Listen a little more. Lean into God's word a little more. Read a little more. I'm saying listen listen to songs of praise. Listen, just begin to put that as part of your devotional life. In your commute to work, hey, you know what, turn off the new, turn off, turn off NPR. Turn off, you know, whatever. Listen to some worship music. Listen to a sermon. Be reminded of God's love for you. Read a little more. Grab your Bible. Read some books that, 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 that ta- tag right back to the Word, that cause you to want to read the Word a little more, to teach you a little more. Watch more. There's so much content out there that will just feed your soul. If you need ideas, we'll share them with you. Discuss a little more. Get into a regroup. Be reminded of God's love by people around you. See, don't take for granted that you know enough. God has so much more. He has chosen you. 
to reveal himself to you so that he can fill you fill you with the fullness of his glory, his power, and his presence. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.